Welcome, welcome in. If you have not seen this movie, you probably shouldn't be here. But with that said, let's review The School of Rock. Spoilers! F yeah! School of Rock, 2003, directed by Richard Linklater, who is a director I will be reviewing more in the future. Breath time? Because I love his style of filmmaking. His movies seem to be, I use this word all the time, but it's grounded, and it feels like people are just talking with, <clears throat> are just talking with no script. That's the best thing about it, though, is that there is a script, and it's very methodically planned out to a cup of tea. I will be talking about, I'm going to make an hour-long video on his Before Trilogy. Before Sunset. Stop. Me, stop. Before Sunrise, Before Sunset, because that's how that works. And then Before Midnight. That's the thing, is that there are so many movies that I want to review, but I don't feel like people have seen them. So, I don't, I don't know that the review would do any good. But I should do it. I should do it for me. So, I'm going to ask that you guys go and you rent. Sign up for stars, okay? Sign up for stars for a week. I don't necessarily recommend stars because there is a section that's like, you can probably turn that off. Anyways, sign up for stars, binge watch this trilogy, this before trilogy, in a week, turn it off, <laughs> disable. School of Rock, uh, Jack Black plays Dewey Finn, Mike White is Ned Schneebly, Joan Cusack is the principal, Sarah Silverman plays uh, roommate's girlfriend. We open on a dive bar of sorts, and there's a band playing. We can tell immediately Dewey Finn is a handful. The way that he's playing, he's asking the sound guy up, down, up, down. But especially when he stage dives into the audience, into a rather empty audience, smacks his face on the ground. The next scene shows his personal life, because that is obviously how his not-so-personal life, what do you call it? His career is going so far, yeah. Now he's at home, and <laughs> this resonates at the same frequency as his career because he's mooching off of his roommate, he can't pay rent for a few months. There's nice foreshadowing in here in the discussion when Dewey and Ned are comparing their their careers to one another's. Ned is a su substitute teacher and Dewey just likes to rock out a little bit too hard. Ned says, you wouldn't last a day in my shoes as a sub. That's the movie giving a little, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Then he gets fired and replaced immediately from the band. He doesn't take too kindly to it. He promises to make his own band and, and participate in the Battle of the Bands and start a revolution. The high kick to the cymbal <laughs> on his way out is always so impressive to me. I don't know how he does that. He can kick higher than he stands, height-wise. Which, Dewey is the kind of guy that fights the establishment and refuses to sell his guitars and enter into the workforce. It would be like a, a losing of his soul to do so. He's all rock and roll. He's founded on the anti-establishment, you know, basis, stick it to the man. That's his thing. Which is all what rock and roll is. Anyways, he's home alone and is actually trying to sell his guitars now because he's desperate. Done it. And he answers a call from a principal calling for his roommate, Ned. Dewey accepts the job even though he's not even Ned. He figures it's pretty easy. He shows up to his first date making a pretty bad impression on the principal and the rest of the class. I can quote every line that he says to the kids up there at the front of the class. We'll start on this crapola tomorrow. Hmm. Hey, Freddie Jones, shut up. He's already implementing the anti-establishment mindset by ripping up the, the stars and demerits chart, wanting everything to be recess. That's all his class is gonna be from now on, as he so states, just recess. Great show, by the way. He's even the one, the pen is back from the podcast. 
He's even the one that's watching the clock. He's the one watching the clock and celebrates <laughs> with high fives that it's 3.15 or whatever, 3, 3 p.m. Yeah, it's, it strikes at 3 p.m. He's still hell-bent on the band thing, so he tries recruiting his roommate to no avail. You know, it all seems like a childish pipe dream to Ned. The childish aspect of it, though, does help Dewey when he comes across the kids in the music class. He sees that they can all play instruments. The gears start turning. This is his band. He unloads his van full of music equipment, sneaking it into the classroom. He has everything set up for the kids' return for music class. He indiv individually selects a guitar player, drummer, a pianist, g bass guitarist, and he jams with them in front of the rest of the class while they wait to be given roles surrounding the band. Wardrobe, promotion, backup singers, security. He does trick them into going along with him, don't tell your parents, all that stuff, which is never good to be saying to kids. He does get his comeuppance later on, though, for saying exactly that. But the, the relationship that he has with the kids ultimately is positive. Like how he encourages Lawrence in the next scene and, and makes a secret handshake with him. He assigns the rest of the class to their jobs right after that, and he's pretty spot on with his selections. Like, each choice he makes, it's like, yeah, yep, that that would be that, yeah, okay, yep, that, they would fall into that category. The casting directors, like, understood the assignment when, when they were going through the casting process. So now it's time for music history, because he realizes that none of these kids know any famous rock bands. All they know is, like, modern pop stars. Uh, Selena Aguilera or whatever? Justin Timberlake? That's pretty much it. He tells the class that he's written a song, so they're innocently like, okay, let's hear it. And he's like, you wanna, you wanna hear the song? Because he's clearly not written a song. The song that he sings is totally improvised by Jack Black, because that's what his character would be doing in the moment too, is improvising the song. So they kind of had to go that way. I figure improvised singing is like a lazy form of freestyle rapping. Jack Black has a delightful voice when he sings higher pitch, but he has such a power operatic growl in his voice too. He constantly impresses me with his ability to sing, most recently with the Peaches song in the Super Mario Brothers. That one is hitting top billboards. <laughs> or when he sang the national anthem at that one baseball game. I think it was a baseball game, but dude, so much power behind his voice. Anyways, I digress. The scene where Dewey is eating lunch with the teachers because the principal dragged him over to that table to introduce him. He has to keep up the lie with them, which is obviously a little bit harder. They're all innocently questioning him too, like, what's your method of teaching? And, and he, he, <laughs> he just quotes lyrics to a song. They're like, isn't that a song? He's like, nope, nope, mm, no. <laughs> and right after that, Tamika, he's trying to get backup singers. Tamika auditions for him because she's the last to leave the class purposely. She wants this direct attention from him. She has an Aretha Franklin voice effortlessly, like it's nothing. I can imagine that the producers were shocked by her actual audition for this movie. Now class time is rehearsal time for the newly formed band. His lunch time is going much better with the rounded teachers. He's making them laugh, kind of dogging on them. The band is progressing shown through this cool montage where Dewey trains each and every one of them. Because they're so used to classical, he's teaching them on this new form, this uh, electric instruments and all that. Or with the drummer, he's going from just like to actual drumming. The principal is a really interesting protagonist because you never dislike her. She's always doing her job. 
And the actress, Joan Cusack, is amazing at being cringeworthy. She's cringy, but it's so funny every time. It's not bad cringy, you know? She's hysterical, extremely conservative in her role. She's really good. They trick her, and part of the class escapes to, to go audition for the Battle of the Bands, furthering the plot along. The security team back at the class has rigged the sound to sound like Dewey is teaching, and they have cameras placed and all that stuff around. Dewey do, does some of his own finagling at the Battle of the Bands because they won't let them audition because they're kids and they're late. Dewey's like, this was our Woodstock! But he tells the people who run the Battle of the Bands that they have this terminal illness, stick it to the modniosis. <laughs> and uh, so they, out of, out of this manufactured sorrow, they let them play in their competition. So this is huge for everybody. The principal almost catches them, but Dewey spins this whole line. Mu music? There was no music playing. It's so funny because he's telling this whole lie to her, and she goes, well, what's that right there? <laughs> and, he, and he looks and sees that it's his electric guitar that he forgot to put away. <laughs> oh, oh, that! So she tests him and goes, uh, continue on with your method. I'll sit in and watch. And he has to improvise another song. Although Jack Black didn't improvise this time because the camera mov movements are much more complex this time. Math is a wonderful thing. Math is a really good thing. So get off your ass, let's do some math. <laughs> Dewey asks the principal to go grab some coffee. And she's like, you want me to go get coffee? They go to a bar. <laughs> he figures out what kind of music she likes, gets her kind of tipsy, so she agrees to the battle of the bands, which ultimately doesn't work because she totally forgets next time he brings it up to her when it's time. And she's against it happening. She's stressed out about it being parents' night. Say that three times fast. She's stressed out about it being parents' night, which she invites Dewey to, but just before he's about to head out to parents' night, his roommate receives a check from the school. So he's like, hmm, I'm going to call the school. I've never worked here before. <laughs> so in a panic, Dewey has to confess that he has stolen his identity and taken a job that really belonged to him. But he like kind of agrees to go quietly with it because his roommate is just getting there, Sarah Silver... No, his girlfriend is just getting there. So Sarah... And she off-screen bullies it out of him after Dewey leaves. Now Dewey's in front of the parents, lying to all of them about the lessons he's been teaching them. He lists, like, every subject that he can think of. But all the parents are like, why do all of our kids want to be rock stars right now? Police get there. Dewey has to confess that he's not Ned Schneebly. And he has a very poor choice of words at the end where he's like, I have been touched by your kids. I, I'm pretty sure I've touched them. And all the parents are like, oh my god! And, and Dewey sprints out of there and they chase him. Back at the apartment, Ned finally stands up to Dewey for pretty much everything, and then to his girlfriend, finally. He tells her off and tells her pretty much that they're breaking up. He alludes to it. Even if they don't break up, he's rewired the dynamic between the two of them. For Dewey's class, they still want to play in the Battle of the Bands, so they have to then go convince Dewey to be in this, even though the parents are all really pissed off. In storytelling, there is always a point in the third act, or just before the third act, I think it's usually in, where everything feels hopeless for for the protagonist and whatever team he might, he might be with. This is usually when they get their second wind to overcome the boss-level threat of the story. Pay attention, because it, it literally happens just about every movie. Every mainstream movie. Experimental movies, maybe not so much, but it is a rule in storytelling, so to speak. There's always this rock-bottom 
element in the third act that the, that the characters then come out of and overcome. The kids go get Dewey and the competition is back on. The principal says to all the parents, I've just been informed that all of your kids are missing. In a fury, they rush to the, the competition, but they actually love the performance that's put on stage by School of Rock. The film subverts your expectations by having the band that they're competing against that Dewey was in, he was in the first band, they actually win. They beat the School of Rock, but the audience calls School of Rock out for the encore, and they boo whatever the first band's name is, they, they boo them off. The movie actually has a phenomenal third act. It's a rock concert, and it's super good. They're all really impressive performances. I think the kids were actually playing, and Dewey finally gets his stage dive that he's been wanting, that he's always wanted. As the credits roll, Dewey has started the School of Rock. And they have like that six minute shot of the credits rolling downwards. And Jack Black is even breaking the fourth wall going, Look, get these credits roll! But he's actually doing it the wrong way. They're actually going the opposite way that he's doing it. It's funny. The camera just moves with them as Jack Black does this whole improvising and interacting with each one of them. It's a great final, final out of the movie. I figured out that it's been through Letterboxd that it's been 40 years since I've seen this movie. And that is a random fact. This movie will always be very special to me. I found out about it in Brazil. I moved to Brazil in 2006, and we started developing friendships with, with a lot of the missionaries there. And we were at this one missionary's home. His name is Shane Latham. He's got a big old beard, loves anything rock, anything Jack Black. So I did a dance one time. I did a dance where my legs are coming up like this, and I'm doing that. I hadn't seen School of Rock before. I hadn't seen it. And Shane come up, comes up to me and he goes, Dude, I saw you doing the Jack Black dance. And I went, What? What are you talking about? He goes, From School of Rock. I went, What? I knew about Nacho Libre. Because I, I, my cousin took me to go see Nacho Libre in 2005 in theaters when that came out. So I was like, What is School of Rock? Which came out before Nacho Libre. And he had the DVD and he let me borrow it. I was like, Dude, okay. So I went home, watched it with my family. And we all loved School of Rock. We bought it ourselves and it was on constant repeat in our home. I can quote this entire movie pretty much. Richard Linklater let him own this movie and let him let him roam free in the screen, which you you do with Jack Black. This performance is reminiscent of early 90s Jim Carrey. Definitely some Chris Farley in there. But I seem to always forget how attached to Jack Black I really am. But hopefully you've seen it. Hopefully you like it as much as I do. Because I do. <laughs> Man, I gotta quit doing that.